This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello everyone, Andrew Apanov here and you're listening to a new edition of We Spin Recipes. To everyone new to the show, we've got a new episode out every Monday, so feel free to subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. Even for lately, it's been more like a bi-weekly podcast, as we've got a lot going on both at the Wisping Growth community and the Data Music Agency. Uh, in any case, I hope you all are doing great and thanks a lot for checking out this new episode. This one may be particularly interesting to electronic music producers among you, or for really everything you're about to hear is totally applicable to a songwriter or musician on any genre of music. The guest of the show today is Sam Matla, the founder of EDM Prods, the blog on the podcast, and the author of a book called The Producer's Guide to Workflow and Creativity. Here, Sam shares how he ended up running literally one of the most well-known resources for producers, names the most common mistakes new producers make, gives tips on improving your production skills, shares recommendations on finding collaborators online, and also reveals a brilliant production hack that is destined to make you a better producer. Here we go. Enjoy our conversation with Sam Matla from EDM Prod. Sam, it's really a pleasure to have you on the show. Welcome to Whispering Recipes. Andrew, thanks for having me. You know, I had you on my podcast, I think about one year ago. And so I appreciate you returning the favor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in it's been a while since I, I mean, I wanted to talk to you for our show for quite some time. And uh, it feels like now is uh, sort of a good time. You've got some interesting projects. I mean, you've had interesting projects for a long time now, but I'm really, really intrigued about what you've been doing and have been following you for quite some time. And thank you, by the way, for having me on your show. It's incredible how many people I met through that interview. In really? fact, lots of uh, people who are my friends now and who I, like, yeah, some people who even work with now hmm. discovered me through you. So, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's really amazing. I mean, you, you've, you've got an amazing show out there and you help lots of producers. So, and you have helped lots of producers out there. And this is something that we are going to talk about as well. But first of all, do you mind an introduction, a little bit of a background on yourself to, mainly for those listeners who who haven't heard of you before. Of course, of course. Yeah, so my name is Sam Mattler. A lot of people say Malta, but it is the T, goes before the L, so Mattler. And I run a website called EDM Prod, and it's basically, it started out as a blog, and it's turned into much more than that. It's a blog, it's a resource website, we have a ton of products. I also am the author of a book called The Producer's Guide to Workflow and Creativity, which is all about helping people overcome uh, creative block and, and making more music, finishing more music. And that's a short introduction. Yeah. That's cool. I mean, that's, I appreciate the, that, that you made it brief, but we definitely want to talk more about yes. <laughs> some, yep. some of these things. Yeah, this show uh, the, that, that we already mentioned seems to be going well. And so who are the guests on, on this show usually? I mean, yeah, well, we already mentioned that I was a guest, but normally you talk to producers or like, for, once again, for those who are mm. not subscribed. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I, d- I didn't mention the podcast. So so we also run a podcast uh, called the EDM Podcast, and we have mostly producers on, like you said, 
from all genres though. So I try not to, you know, limit it to one genre. I love trance music. I love house music, but we've interviewed a ton of different people and also some industry folks like yourself and, and of course our good friend Bertie Vault. Yeah. And a few other guys. And so it's been a great experience running that. I've learned a ton. A lot of people seem to like the podcast. So, so I suppose that's good as well. It's good to have yeah. different formats. I mean, some people prefer podcasts, some just reading blog posts. So it's really good to have a variety here. I agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, have you been just uh, interested in uh, in providing advice or like you're just scratching your own itch and just want to, uh, to share with the world what you've learned yourself? Like, how did you end up in this educational sphere in the first place? Well, I mean, it all happened... It all started when I was about 14, so seven years ago. Basically, I wanted to, I wanted to make a little bit, bit of extra money on the side. I was young, didn't get paid enough pocket money from my parents. And so I Googled you know, how to make money online and, and people said, start a blog. So you can write articles about something and then eventually make money. And so back during this stage, I was, yeah, I was 14 and I was skateboarding. So I started a blog about skateboarding, quickly forgot about the money side of it. I didn't make any, but I just loved, you know, sitting down and, and writing an article about skateboarding and teaching people. And I think I spent one year on that skateboarding blog and, and wrote about 90 posts. And then I gave up because, you know, it wasn't, wasn't really sustainable. And then I think about a year after that, and around this time, I started getting into music as well. That's what I really liked. I'd always been musical. So my father's side of the family, we were heavily musical, always played an instrument. But I was getting into production around this stage. I started a blog about personal productivity. So how to manage your time better, which was kind of funny because I was terrible at time management. So what I was teaching didn't match up with what I was doing. Anyway, I also gave up on that because it just wasn't that fun in the end. Uh, (laughs) I didn't like waking up and writing about productivity. Uh, and the reason that the point where I stopped that, where, you know, I looked about eight months into the future or a year into the future and I thought to myself, I don't want to be doing this. I want to be doing music full time, music production full time. I want to be an artist. And so I I grabbed out my diary and I I wrote down on this day, June the 16th, I'm going to commit full time to making music. And I run a blog on the side to hopefully bring in a little bit of money. So I'll be teaching it on the side. Now, two weeks following that date, it had completely flipped upside down. And so I was spending all my time on the blog and probably <laughs> two to three hours a day producing. And uh, to be honest, it's been that way ever since. And I wouldn't have it any other way. The idea of being an artist while appealing, it's not appealing enough to me. And I just love teaching. I love writing articles. I love interviewing people. So that's kind of the story uh, behind it all, I suppose. I didn't really plan to get into it but as with most things in life they kind of just fall into place yeah, one yeah, thing leads yeah. to another awesome and with the blog what you mentioned is very important for anyone starting a business these days through this organic model where you build an audience first and then find ways to monetize it it's very important that you are passionate about something like writing a blog because i mean yes. you, it, it's just impossible to do it with just the money in mind and yeah so that's interesting that you also tried something in the personal self-development space. And uh, mm. from what I can see, the knowledge that you gathered there while learning 
something that feels and I guess reading books and blogs and so on, you do apply these uh, things that you discovered back then now to this whole how to be more productive mm-hmm. as a producer theme, right? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. We've got this course about productivity for musicians from ReSound. So it's pretty much, yes, a similar story right, where, yeah. where I mean, yeah, it's it, it's just crucial. So since we started talking about uh, the course and uh, everything related, so this is sort of a banal question. I don't know how many times you've been asked it, if any, uh, but can you tell the name uh, some of the most common mistakes up-and-coming producers who are just starting out make? I love this question and you have certainly put me on the spot. So the most common mistakes, can I do the most common mistakes new producers make? Say people have been producing for under one year. Okay. Okay. So I think one of the, the first mistakes is realizing that or not realizing that music production is a craft and it is hard. And so a lot of people get into music production, I think for the wrong reasons. And so they look at a Martin Garrix or a Hardwell and they want to be them. And I have nothing against that. If your goal in life is to be a successful touring artist, all the more power to you. But you have to love the craft. You have to love the process because if you don't, you're just not going to get there and your music isn't going to get up to a high enough standard. And so I would say that's a mistake that that some people get into it. They think it's just going to be fun the whole time. And it's going to be completely easy. And the truth is, it isn't. And uh, in my experience with new producers I've talked to, they get to this point, maybe six months in, and they go, this is so hard. It's so overwhelming. No one ever told me it was going to be hard. And I think that comes from a misunderstanding of the fact that music production is a craft. If you want to get good at you know, carpentry or brewing beer or, or wood, woodworking, like you're, it's a craft. You have to work at it to become good. Same with music. That seems like common sense, but to a lot of people, it isn't. So that's the first <laughs> thing I would say. The second mistake, I think, and I don't think it's much of a mistake as it is something I would love to see more new producers do, and that is learn from other music. So what most people will do when they get into music, and this is what I did, you just make a ton of original music. So from day one, you're just making your own songs, own songs, one after the other, and you're learning. You are learning. But I don't think it's the most optimal way to learn. And so I base this off off the latest scientific research, which basically people want to look into it more. It's, it's, called, it's a field called deliberate practice or the science of expertise. And it's all about practicing effectively. And, and what they say is true practice is operating at the edge of your ability. And so it's not easy. It's very hard. And when you're working on original music, you are learning, but you're often or most of the time, doing what you already know. Mm -hmm. So it'd be the equivalent of a violinist or a guitar player just playing the song they already know or playing easy songs in the same style. And so I would love to see more producers remake other music, note by note. And I've recommended this to certain people, five to ten people so far, and it has worked wonders. And so starting with simple songs, just remaking them, not worrying about putting out music, not worrying about the validation, about the self-promotion and just remaking music. I think that's how you get really good really quickly. So I would say that's a second, not a mistake, but something I recommend. And 
I'm not sure if I can think of a third one. I know there is. <laughs> there, there are many more than three, but uh, yeah, but the two is also good. Out. Yeah, I mean the two is also good. Now we don't have to to do three. It, it, it wasn't even in the question. So these ones are already right. great, right. all good. I like cool. it. The second one, I mean, it's it seems so simple, but I don't hear it's uh, being recommended to musicians that often. Fortunately, I mean, it yeah. isn't. Yeah. I remember reading a book by this drama called Zorro, I believe. He's well well known drama, and the, the book is called The Big Geek, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, he's been learning through playing drums for like all of the possible genres, doing covers of existing songs. But I don't see it being shared too often in the music world, especially in electronic production music world. So that's yeah, cool. I think I think I know why. And it's because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. Not many people will do it, you know? It's a very hard thing to do. This is a quite a, a global uh, theme here, right? So the there are many producers who want to build a career in music and who want to achieve some kind of success. But uh, this is what separates the successful ones from the non-successful ones. Lots of very hard and difficult work, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and, it's, and yeah. also... A lot of people get discouraged when they hear that, when they hear it's such hard work, but it's kind of the, it's the good kind of hard work. It's the hard work you do. You do maybe three to four hours of intense work, intense production, and you feel good about yourself afterwards. It's satisfying. So I think it's worth it. That's what I'm trying to say. So if you can uh, maybe highlight some of the productivity tips, obviously there is a ton, but mm. uh, just a quick actionable tips to our listeners who are struggling right now to get uh, a new track done for example to finish an existing work but this is something that i see quite often that it's not a problem to work on something but to finish a track is quite an issue yeah absolutely it's it's such a common struggle and it sucks that's why i wrote a book about it but let me give you three tips let me give the listeners three tips so the first is i recommend first of all there are producers out there who say you have to spend 16 hours a day in the studio to become successful and make good music. That is not true. There's nothing scientific about that. In fact, there was a study done on violin players many years ago, and it turns out that these elite violin players, students, will practice for roughly three to four hours a day in two 90-minute sessions. But it's very intense, very intense, and they get tired and they have to take a nap. Anyway, I think it's better to produce for less hours at a higher intensity. So three to four hours a day. If you're producing very hard and you're focused, you can't really do much more than that. So that's the first thing I'd say. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people think that the answer is to spend more time, six, seven, eight hours a day. I don't think that's true. So first tip would be set an objective or goal for each production session you have. And so let's say you have a 90 minute production session and you're working on a track that you're struggling with, you're not sure where to go with it, or maybe you're sure, you have an idea of where to go, but you're just struggling to move through to the next level. Well, before you start, write down on a piece of paper what you want to achieve in that session. And so if I'm working on a track and I've got the melody down and I've got the drums, I might say, well, my objective for the next 90 minutes is to work on the arrangement and finish the basic arrangement of the song. And what that does is it focuses your mind. You don't worry about tweaking any sounds. You don't worry about composing anything extra. 
you know exactly what you need to do. And I think that's fundamental. I think that's fundamentally important because a lot of people get stuck because they just kind of default to the path of least resistance, if that makes sense. And when you have an objective, you know, you focus and you push through. Uh, so that's tip number one, set an objective for each production session. The second tip is to actually produce for 90 minute sessions. This is something that I've recommended to a lot of people uh, and it's helped a lot. And I think 90 minutes is a good number because you can, if you force yourself, sit down for 90 minutes and make music. When you get to the 90 minute stage, it becomes, well, at least I get quite restless. I need to get up and move around. But it's also long enough to get really solid work done. Whereas 30 minutes or even 45 minutes isn't that long. And often it takes 20 to 30 minutes to get into the zone or yeah. get into flow. So I recommend 90 minute production sessions. And I think if you're working a full-time job, you know, let's say you're working nine to five, uh, you can probably find 90 minutes in your day to sit down and make music. And if you do that every single day, you're going to make great progress. You can easily finish one song a week on average doing that. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. And one more tip, which a lot of people aren't going to like, <laughs> make music in the morning instead of at night. Because for most people think they produce well at night, but they don't. They're tired. They've had a stressful day at work. They come home. They're still distracted. If you can, wake up earlier in the morning and spend 90 minutes on, on music. And I think if you try that for a week, you'll find that you have a lot more success and you can think clear, more clearly and you can actually finish music. Excellent. I really like that one. Uh, really like that one because uh, when I discovered how much more you can do in the morning is just mind-blowing. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's really for everyone, even those who consider themselves as night owls. It yes. just, it works. It just, I, I haven't seen a single person who, who tried it and for whom it didn't work. So, I mean, I really like these ones. And uh, yeah, so you once again mentioned the book and you've got uh, quite more on uh, that in there. So uh, can you mention a little bit on, about the book and what you've got, what's, what topics you cover there? Yeah, for sure. So, so the book, The Producer's Guide to Workflow and Creativity, it came out or it came as a result of me struggling with this stuff struggling to finish music struggling to struggling with creative block coming up with ideas in the first place or even just not finishing enough music at a satisfying rate and so i managed to overcome that those problems and you know i thought why not write a book about it and so i did and it's on its second edition now and the second edition is completely different to the first uh, it's completely new book. There's hardly any of the original content in it. And it covers a few things. It covers uh, creative block. Where does creative block come from? What does it look like? How do you overcome it? And you know, I detail, I think it's something like 30 strategies to overcome creative block, which might seem excessive, but all you need to do is pick one. And if mm -hmm. it doesn't work, move to the next. I also talk about deliberate practice. How do you practice effectively? How do you learn, for instance, if, if your weakness or something you struggle with is writing melodies, how do you come up with a plan to get better at writing melodies? And you know, I detail that practically because a lot of people ask on the internet, how do I write better melodies? How do I write better drums? And the thing is, if someone gives you a tip on writing melodies, it's not going to automatically make you a better composer. You actually have to sit down and you have to go through repetition, remaking, learning constantly over a period of weeks or months to actually get good. 
Another thing we talk about or I talk about in the book is having high output. And I, I do believe that the quantity of the work you put out does have an effect on how fast you learn. And so if you're putting out more work, you're going to get better faster. So we talk about that as well. And what else? Yeah, you've got a few I, other I, chapters. I, I'm, yeah, I'm actually on the list of, uh, I'm looking into the chapters right now on your website. And uh, yeah, you cover a ton of uh, super practical stuff, I would say. Mm. So yeah, some tips on collaboration as well from what I see, right? Yes, yep. I mean, any tips on that, if you don't mind, because it's something that uh, I, I, because so to be clear, I intentionally wanted to, so much to have you on the show to share some uh, production tips. But at the mm-hmm. same time, we still have this business marketing approach a little bit. So I like to see where these areas, uh, you know, there is a mix of both mm-hmm. uh, or both balls because... Uh, Production, I mean, it's the foundation of everything because you cannot market uh, shitty music. But so we are on the same page here, obviously. But there are some things that are related to both the productivity and uh, creativity and the quality of production and also um, networking. So collaboration is one example Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. it's a way to build a a really interesting network of of uh, like-minded producers and get some connections with labels. From your experience, has it been working out well in terms of uh, not just productivity and creativity, but also some business opportunities and signings to labels and stuff like that? Collaboration. You mean running ADM, bro? Uh, no, sorry. Uh, yeah, so I'm just talking about the collaboration between different producers mm. and finding partners right, to right, collaborate right. with. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, the section on collaboration is more more about collaboration workflow or collaborative workflow. And, and this is where a lot of people get hung up on or, or they get hung up and they they kind of feel, you know, sometimes they feel like they're not doing enough work in the collaboration or they're doing too much. And I think it's really important to have a clear understanding of who does what in a collaboration. Because let's say, Andrew, you and I work on a song and you might have certain strengths and I might have certain weaknesses. Well, it doesn't make sense for me to write the melody if I suck at writing melodies and you're great at writing melodies, right? It makes sense for you to work on that. And perhaps you're not as good as mixing as I am, and so I work on the mixing. And so ideally, if two people are working on a song or a project, they leverage or leverage their strengths and you know hide their weaknesses and let the other person work on that part. What's strange, though, is that a lot of people don't even think about this or talk about this. And so I think that's important. You know, a lot of people just say, hey, let's work on a song together. They don't communicate openly. They don't communicate what their strengths are, what they think their strengths are. They don't communicate their vision for the project. They don't communicate what they don't like about the project. And I think what you often see, well, I've seen it a fair bit is collaboration partners that end up not liking each other getting really frustrated. So I talk about that in the section, you know, how do you manage this? How do you manage the work? And there's a few ways to do it. One way is to that strengths and weaknesses approach, and that can kind of manifest itself in a few different ways. One way is to work on the project, not simultaneously, but send it back and forth. And so let's say you write the melody and then you send it over to me. I like it. Maybe I tweak a few things. Maybe I say, you know, I don't like this note. Well, I think we should do this. And then maybe I add in something else and then send it back. That's one way to do it. Another way is to work on it 
one section at a time. So the first 16 or 32 bars, send it over, let the other person do the work. You can get some interesting and creative ideas doing that because what happens is the way I'm looking at the project or the way I envision the project is different to how you envision it. And so when you send your idea over to me, I'm going to listen to it a little bit differently. I'm going to make something a little bit differently that you might not expect. And so when I send it back to you, you're going to have all these new ideas kind of enter your head. And so the project can take a very interesting turn when you follow that kind of workflow. It can also turn out ter- terrible as well. This happens. Uh, and I think, I think that was about it. And, and of course, there's a local collaboration where you're in the same room. Yeah. And I talk about that too. And, and what I think mistake that a lot of people make when they work together in the same studio is they try to both be hands-on all the time, which doesn't work. I think ideally there's someone, you know, your collaboration partner might be faster in the DAW than you are. And so you should really let them do the actual pointing and clicking. And maybe you're the ideas person or you provide feedback as you're doing that. Otherwise, you're kind of fighting for the same space and it's, it's just not efficient. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I hope that answered your question. It's Absolutely. No, yeah, no, 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 it's, it's good. I mean, I, I, uh, it's 100% clear and very helpful. So I'm glad that you shared what exactly it covers. And uh, still, since I, I did mention this briefly, maybe you have any tips to, uh, to you producers uh, who don't have any people to collaborate with to on finding people so how exactly to approach that to find someone online so not locally but how to approach people you want to collaborate with some tips on that if if any once again yeah yeah of course i i think i'm just going to recommend one approach because i know that it works today you know that this whole concept of like a forum on the internet is dead there's no dedicated forums on the internet really uh, that are worth going to but there are and you probably know this, there are a ton of Facebook groups for producers, musicians. And so what I would recommend, if if someone who's listening to this is a new producer and they want to find someone to collaborate with, I would recommend joining a few of those Facebook groups and just start engaging in the community, start commenting on things, start discussions with people, ask questions, and just make yourself seen. Well, what's the word? I, yeah. I can't think of the way to say it, but you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, I'm offering you. Sure. Just be active. Be active in the community. And then yeah. after a while, perhaps just ask a question in the group. Say, hey, look, guys, been here for a while. Really love the group. I'm just looking for someone to collaborate with. I haven't been doing this for that long. I use Ableton or Logic or whatever. I like to make drum and bass. Would anyone be interested? I'd be happy to talk further. Just send me a private message. Mm-hmm. And if you've engaged in the community for long enough, I think you'll have a lot of people, you know, message you and, and be interested. And that's cool. I think that's yeah. an approach that really works. I like the uh, how straightforward it is. So Facebook groups are being active there, which is very important. So uh, yeah, to anyone who wants to use this advice, don't skip the step of uh, actually spending some time in the community and contributing to it by at least liking stuff and commenting and stuff like that, but then just asking directly. That's cool. Yeah. Do you, uh, have you been using or do you recommend using SoundCloud for that these days? Like discovering artists that you may like and just messaging them? Well, I was, I was going to say that as well. I think SoundCloud is, is another good approach because you can come up with, say, a, a criteria or set of criteria. So you might say, well, I'm a new producer. I'm not going to worry about sending a message to anyone who has over 500 followers. Mm-hmm. 
and I'm only going to focus on this genre. I think that can work. The only thing I would be wary of with SoundCloud is that there is a lot of people doing that. And so it can be kind of hard to fight through the, like, for instance, I get messages all the time on the EDM Prod SoundCloud channel, which is not an artist channel asking if I want to collaborate. And that's not what it's for. Yeah. It's a podcast. And so, yeah, I think SoundCloud is a good strategy as long as you're deliberate about it and you're not just spamming and spamming and hoping that someone will get back to you after sending 500 messages to 500 producers you haven't even listened to. Yeah. So yeah, I would say that approach works. That's a great tip. Excellent. EDM foundations. The the enrollment starts on October 21st. Is it still correct? Well, yeah. Well, well, the enrollment, no, it will actually, the course will actually start on the 21st. And so the enrollment is open now as we're talking. Correct. And so the people who listen to this won't be able to sign up for this run which is fine, but we will be doing it again in December. And mm-hmm. so yeah. they'll be able to sign up then if they want. So what's the, I mean, the all the links are in the show notes to anyone listening to us, obviously. But uh, if you guys are interested, you can just go to the link for the EDM Foundation's course. And I think it's just easier to link to it instead of trying to pronounce the full of URL. It's a, long, yeah, it's a long yeah. link. And uh, yeah, and just uh, see when the next... Um, Courses and just enroll. There'll be a um, sorry to interrupt. There'll be a waiting list, a waiting mm-hmm. list button, so people that's, can join the waiting list. Yeah, yeah. So that's good that you explain how the process works. Okay, cool. So that's uh, and is it uh, like a commitment if you're on the waiting list? Do you, like commit to to participate, or you, you don't need to to actually pay? No, to, no, no, no. To, you don't. To, yeah, no, you don't need to pay. Uh, the the way we've done it this far is we've we have done pre-orders, so people have been buying it. You know, we've had a lot of people buying it now, but on the 21st, on Friday, that will close. And so mm-hmm. people won't be able to buy it, but there's no commitment. So there'll, there'll only be a commitment probably at the start of December when we do the second edition or the second run of the course. Excellent. So yeah, I mean, I encourage everyone who is interested to check it out. In the meantime, uh, everyone can grab your book and you've got several packages there on the website. It's uh, edmprod.com uh, slash workflow. We also link to it in the show notes. So that's quite uh, straightforward as well. It's good that you give options. I guess we don't have to go for in detail about the different ones. Uh, maybe only if you want to mention something very special that people may miss on your landing page for the book. Uh, sure. About the different, one, you know, one, thing I, one thing I will mention just because I get quite a lot of emails about this and I should probably put it on the uh, the page actually, is people can buy, say, the book package and then choose to upgrade to the standard or complete package at a discount. So it would be minus the price of the book. Okay. So buy the book for $19 and then they can upgrade to the complete package for just $70, so $89 minus the 19 for the book. So that is an option for people. That's good. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah, and I liked, and uh, I'm referring to EDM Foundations again, but I like how you made it clear what software people will use if they're completely new to production, right? Mm-hmm. So either that, like, they don't have to invest a lot of money in software right away to just like complete the course, correct? So you get you've got this approach yeah. to just make it as easy to enter as possible. Of course, yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Cool. I mean, I, I could be asking you about like every chapter in your book and uh, many <laughs> other questions, but at this stage, I just uh, invite everyone who is uh, interested in uh, 
getting more done uh, music-wise, especially electronic music producers. But uh, I hope that anyone in other non-electronic music genres who uh, has been listening to us found useful tips here because, I mean, it applies to everyone how to get more music done. It doesn't matter what instrument you play, what kind of music you create. All musicians face similar challenges and issues. And yeah, so you, Sam, do a great job with helping artists with uh, overcoming these, these challenges. Any uh, closing uh, tips or thoughts or something something recent maybe so i like when my guests share something that's been on their mind like lately maybe just you read an article a few days back or you've seen a particular trend or something related to your area of expertise of course so anything you'd like to share something that you're excited about right now something i'm excited about hmm i mean there's there's a lot that i'm excited about andrew but i'll, I'll pick something that i have been thinking about in relation to production yeah, And that is, I mean, I've kind of already talked about it, but the more I look into all this productivity stuff, the more I read biographies of authors and writers and creative people throughout history, the more I realize that the focus and intensity with which you work is by far the most important thing. And there's a quote from uh, Theodore Roosevelt who said, when you work, work, and when you play, play. And I truly believe that if you are sitting down to make music, well, first of all, if you are struggling to make music and you're struggling with creative block and you are sitting down with your phone next to you, with your internet on, with distractions all around you, you're not going to have a good time. And so I think it's really important to block out the world, to create a space where you, you can work without distraction and, and just attack the task with every fiber in your body if that makes sense. A little bit dramatic, but really focus. That's what I'm thinking about. And because the more I recommend that to producers and the more I see them do it, you know, they come back to me weeks later and they're like, Sam, this works. Like I'm finishing a lot of music, like I'm enjoying it. And it's like, yeah, it's an age old technique. Yeah. I mean, I'm so glad you mentioned that quote. It's new to me, but it uh, reminds me of one of my favorite Zen quotes. Which, uh, yeah, ends with uh, don't wobble. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, I mean, you, <laughs> if you, uh, just as you said, if you, so if you are producing music, just produce music. And if you're not, just try not to stress out about the unfinished track too much and just get the mind and body rest and uh, yes. focus on the current activity. And this is the key to to being successful and creative. Awesome. I appreciate everything that you've shared so much. We definitely should repeat sometime in the future. I just feel like we haven't covered way too much. But uh, next time, in the meantime, once again, uh, links to your projects and the blog and the course and the book and uh, the podcast and everything in the show notes. So if anyone uh, wants to get in touch with you, what's uh, the best platform? Uh, is it Twitter, email? So what's, uh, how I, people I can say, connect with you? I will say email with a with a caveat. My email is sam at edmprod.com, but I will not give feedback on your music. I just can't do it. Like I, I get way too many requests. And so I've decided that I'm just not going to give any at all. It's unfortunate, but I have to do that to manage my time. And I will answer one question per person so just don't send me a list of like 10 questions but I, I will answer questions i do get back to people 
this one. Absolutely, I understand. Unfortunately, and those who have emailed me recently and haven't heard back, don't take it personal. Uh, yeah, uh, it's just with uh, the amount of emails we may be getting these yeah, days, it's yeah, just yeah, impossible. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> that, that rule is good. Just one question and no feedback on music. I mean, if it, yeah. it's, it's quite tri- straightforward. Thank you once again. It's been uh, really cool to have you here. And uh, till next time. Andrew, thanks for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks everyone for listening and Sam for the charts, of course. Just one thing to add to what he mentioned about the forums. I fully get what Sam meant and I do agree with him, in fact, with just one little remark. There is one forum that rocks, even for maybe because of it's not available to everyone. I'm as biased here as I can be. Uh, but I do believe that what we've created at Wispin uh, is is worth your attention at the very least. So yeah, I'm talking about the Wispin community, the forum that we've got there, and uh, it's where you can get the personal advice on growing your online brand. If you're interested in checking it out, just sign up for a free trial at wispin.co and feel free to hit me up via email andrew at wispin.co for an extended trial, just indicate that you heard about that on the podcast. And of course, be sure to check out all the resources I mentioned on this show. They can be found in the show notes at wispin.co forward slash WSR79. Thank you all and till next time. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.